This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. This is your host, Darren Hood, and we've got a lot to cover today, so we're going to dive right in. Uh, before I forget, special welcome to those of you that are joining me for the first time. I always want to make sure to do that. We're happy that you took time out of your schedule and hoping we can do something to help you to maintain your course, your trajectory towards excellence in the world of user experience. We're talking right now about the subject, the cycle of UX dysfunction. Is this a happy topic? No. Um, but if you have a flat tire, do you want to know about it? If there's, um, if the road is out up ahead, do you want to know about it? If there's some type of an issue, if there's some type of a hiccup, something that you would like to know about so that you can navigate around something that would be destructive or counterproductive for you. Would you want to know about it? The answer is yes. So we're not about happy times. This is not about making people feel good. We don't play the games and we don't engage in sugarcoating activities. What we are about is helping people achieve excellence. And part of achieving excellence is being aware of things that are counterproductive to your pursuit of excellence. Hence, where we are helping to guide some, helping to enlighten others, and helping to enrich everybody about this topic so that all those who are interested in truly achieving excellence will be able to do so. So hence, we're talking about UX dysfunction, and that is the current state that we're in today. UX is a great thing. It's a great discipline. It's a great career. I absolutely love user experience. However, there are some issues uh, that, that um, wow, I mean, you could talk about things we've experienced, things we've seen. There is a lot of data to support this. And I mean, some people know, know it. I don't, they don't have, they don't need me to tell you what's going on. However, my angle, what I've seen, and because I am in the business of gathering data on the topic at hand, uh, then I'm coming at it a little bit differently than somebody else might because there are other people talking about what I'm talking about today. Uh, but I again, I do think that my perspective is rather broad. I talk to people all over the world. I listen to what they have to say. I have experienced things at the hands of people all over the world. I have seen trends, behavioral patterns, mores. I've experienced mores from people all over the world. It's not just me. There are a lot of other people that are giving me input. Some of the stories I share are not mine. They're the stories of other people. And so when we have this broad perspective, as we wrapped up, sort of picking up right where we left off last year, last week, the world of UX is large. It's much larger. And a lot of us do have a tendency. I think we all do it at some point. 
And then we have to come to the realization that the world of UX is bigger than myself as an individual. People are experiencing things. People see things. People are doing things. Uh, the hiring world is large. There are a lot of things that are going on, and that's why this podcast is called what it's called. It's not the world of UX according to Darren Hood. It's the world of UX with Darren Hood. I'm the one talking, but the things that I'm sharing with you are coming from a very holistic perspective based on things we observe and input that I get from a lot of people from all over. It's about the discipline as a whole. It's about the what's going on when it comes to techniques, methods, methodologies, deliverables. What's going on when it comes to hiring? What's going on when it comes to the trends there? What's going on with, with the ebbs and the flows of the discipline as a whole? And when I seek to observe these things and then come back and report on it and to let everybody know, because if you want to be successful, you need to know what's going on out here and you need to know how to navigate. Navigation is critical to the success of each and every person. And we have to navigate everything from, from again, methods, methodologies, techniques, deliverables, the people that are in the field, things that are happening for our best interest, things that are not in our best interest that are happening, different trends, different activities, the way that companies are hiring, who's hiring, who's not hiring, how are they hiring, what are the positions, what's going on with these titles. This is the world of UX. So for those of you who might be new today, you just got a quick download of what this podcast is about. And somebody will say, well, I don't like the topic you're bringing up here. Okay, then, then, you don't, <laughs> then you don't like the topic, but it needs to be said. So we're not here. This is not a consensus-based show. Uh, this is not a consensus-based operation. And UX is not a consensus-based discipline. So let's broaden our perspectives. And again, that's where we left off last week, talking about how large the world of UX really is, how much that's really going on out there. And, and many people do tend to reduce their concept of UX to their own experiences, but it's critical. We must remember that it's important to expand our perceptions as often as we can, well beyond our personal experiences. Otherwise, your views will be short-sighted and they're going to be limited. In today's world, folks, today's world of UX, the cycle of our operation is broken. And we need to understand, all of us make up the state of the discipline. It, it, it's interesting to get somebody to digest that. You, everybody listening to me under the sound of my voice today, you are one individual, whether you are a practitioner or a stakeholder. Yes, stakeholders, the C-suite, leadership, everybody, whether you're a UX practitioner or not, all make up what the world of UX is. All a person has to do is have impact on the work that's being done, on the perceptions, on the hiring, on the value that's being ascribed. Anybody who has anything to do with any of these things is connected to the world of UX. We all make up the state of the discipline. And today, in 2021, the world of UX, the state of the discipline is dysfunctional. And it's dysfunctional because of the cycle, because of how everything is operating. And today, I didn't get to this last week, but today I want to talk about each of these categories. 
that we need to pay attention to. Each of the contributing factors that's playing a role in UX being dysfunctional today. We want to cover these. So you ready? Let's go. Let's look at each one of these. And there are quite a few of them. The first one, and we just talked about it, individual UX professionals. Every individual that is currently operating in the world of user experience has an impact on the state of UX. There are corporate or business UX maturity levels. Every every organization has a UX maturity level. And you usually don't hear about anything beyond that. But in my practice, over my years, I've been in the business of ascribing UX maturity levels by project. I have assigned UX maturity levels by stakeholder because it helps me to deal with that particular project and it helps me to deal with that particular client or stakeholder. Yeah, clients get UX maturity levels too. So of course, if all these people are getting UX maturity levels ascribed to them, each individual has their own UX maturity level. And when you realize that everybody has their own UX maturity level, you realize how much weight we should be ascribing to what those people are saying and doing. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. If not today, we'll talk about it when we wrap up the topic next week. But every individual associated with UX is having impact upon the state of the discipline. And many individuals are actually causing the dysfunction. Some aspect of dysfunction, they're either doing it by the misinformation that's shared because somebody thinks that UX is UI. Or Matter of fact, everybody that says UX, UI is contributing to dysfunction. That is a dysfunctional acronym base, if you will. So every time somebody says UX, UI, UX, UI, I, I saw somebody recently that, well, no, it's UI, UX because I do the UI first. And then, okay, that's just splitting hairs. Don't use the acronym. UI is a subset of UX. And it's only a part of UX. Actually, as somebody recently that said that you, know, you yourself said that UI is a subset of UX, so why we can't why can't we focus on UI? I said, well, I also said another fifty things about the subject, and so if you cherry pick one, that's dysfunctional. That's that's contributing to the same. That person was a troll, frankly, uh, and trolls always breed dysfunction because they're never they're never focused on doing what's right. They just like to stir up trouble. So. Those kinds of people can't help. And you're not going to get them to be quiet. So that means you have to manage them. And usually to, ma to manage the troll, all you have to do is tell the truth. They usually scamper off like a wounded puppy. And they never really have anything to do with anything. If you just get used to get good at managing the trolls because they, they're not helping anybody at all. But at any rate, so the individual UX professionals play a role. And if we don't, ascribe to the UX cycle of excellence, whatever you call it. You don't have to call it that. You only have to follow my, my model exactly, but you have to be committed to excellence and you have to do it in a way that's proven, that's validated. You can't just do it in a whimsical, extremely subjective way or you're not going to get anywhere with that. And then you will, whether it's intentional or not, you'll contribute to this dysfunctional cycle that we're in in 2021. There, there's UX education and all UX education. We alluded to this a little bit last week. 
UX education is extremely problematic for several reasons, but to a great extent, as we mentioned last week, a lot of UX education is being managed and prescribed by people who don't know anything either about how the science of education works or they don't know anything about the discipline. And when you get one, both, or a combination of the two, the education that results is not going to be excellent. We talked recently about Google's, how they how they rolled out a UX education program through Coursera. But the mere fact that they've done it, just because you're successful in the corporate world, doesn't mean that you can just get into any kind of business you want. Not when it comes to ethics. Oh, you can do it, but is it ethical? And when you look at that, that model, and just to touch on one thing about it, Do you really want to go through an educational program where after you do your work, you hand it to a peer and the peer grades it not based on standards, the peer grades it based on whatever subjective mindset they're operating in. That's just not excellent. No matter where you do it. Can you imagine where other disciplines would be if that was part of the model that doesn't work for anything. And so it certainly doesn't work for UX. And the funny thing about UX is we're still up and coming. We're not our foundation was solid, and then people went and blew it up, which contributes to the dysfunction that we're addressing today. So that doesn't work. That's just a quick example of the way that the boot camps came about and and what they focused on. That's about making money. That's not about making the discipline sound and trustworthy. And, And the produced people who've gone through the programs, it's not about making them solid. It's about making them feel good about what they've done but it's not about making them solid and ready. There, a lot of people aren't ready. I love the conversation we had recently in one meetup. People aren't ready for the business world. They they learn a little bit about UX, but you can learn a little bit about UX by just going and reading a few articles. You can learn a little bit, maybe enough to be dangerous, but you know something, yeah, yeah, you do. However, are they ready? No, what, what business acumen do they have? What do they know about how business actually works? Nothing. So because they know nothing, uh, then that limits the value. And then these people scream about not being able to get a job, but the people aren't comfortable hiring you. They're not out to get you. They're, they're not comfortable because they're not convinced that you're going to be an asset. And they're not convinced that you're going to be an asset because they recognize what you lack. And a lot of educational programs are not trying to, whether it's a boot camp or otherwise, are not trying to help people to gain the business acumen so you're not bringing anything to the table. So UX education, has that stopped education from going forward? Are there MOOC programs, the Udemy's and the Coursera's and the edX's? Do they have UX content? Yes. Did that stop the boot camps? It didn't stop them. It didn't stop the MOOCs. It didn't stop it didn't stop the universities from offering terrible programs in some cases. And of course, and thankfully, it didn't stop the ones who have good programs. But when you put all that in a pot, because we're always a whole, every topic is a whole. Even though you you might not be part of the problem and what you're doing, but you're still part of the whole, the whole is dysfunctional, whether you're contributing to it or not. Somebody is, which is why me and why people like me stand up and try to bring attention to the things that we're seeing Because we recognize that as great as it might be in areas one, two, three, four, and five, if areas six, seven, eight are bad, that's part of the whole and we're no better than our whole. 
So that if we're going to to make sure, if we're going to be good stewards of what's going on in in UX, and I'm one of the people who's operating in that arena, then yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that out because education has to be right, and the better education is, the more ethical and the better structured it is, and the more pedagogical excellence there is, the better off the discipline will be. So education. Jobs and titles, the next one. Oh my goodness. The jobs and the titles that are out here today. Uh, and, and people will say, there sure are a lot of UX jobs today. I, they're, they're, this is great. There are a lot of jobs. That really says a lot of good things about UX. Actually, folks, that actually indicates that there's an issue in UX when you really look at it. It indicates that there's an issue in UX to a great extent. And we need to understand that today. In other words, the mere fact that UX jobs, that there's that there's plentiful, the count of UX jobs is extremely plentiful, that does not mean that everything in UX is great. And I know that that's hard, a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. But it is the truth. The fact that somebody is hiring doesn't mean that they know what they're doing. The fact that somebody is hiring doesn't mean that they have a sound UX maturity level. Even in companies that did used to do it right, and there are companies that have been guilty of and are guilty of what we call UX backsliding, where they used to do it well and now they're not. So the fact that you see all these jobs don't mean a thing. And, and oh my goodness, you want some good entertainment? And some of you I know already know this. Look at the job descriptions. If you're not convinced yet that the current state of UX is that of dysfunction, heightened dysfunction, just look at the job descriptions. People, do, they have no idea. Many companies have absolutely no idea what they want. The titles are all over the place. Companies are hiring UX people because somebody convinced them they need to, but they don't know how to do it. A lot of recruiters, I feel for a lot of recruiters out there because a lot of recruiters are hiring for, for a discipline they don't understand. I did a talk years ago called Square Pegs and Round Holes, trying to help. Do you think that that, that, that presentation went viral? No, it didn't. Because people aren't really interested in learning about what's really going on out here and how to really do it. They're not interested. So, but if somebody says, says ookity bookity or something ridiculous, I just made that up. If they say something ridiculous, that goes viral. And you see it all the time. People make ridiculous statements. They come up with ridiculous concepts that are grossly inaccurate and people just opt in. They just opt right in to that and that goes viral. So, but that's because it's dysfunctional, the cycle, the whole thing is dysfunctional. And until the jobs are managed the right way and until the titles properly define and the job descriptions properly define the work that's going to be done and what it is you're actually hiring for, we're going to stay in this dysfunctional state and it's going to get fixed one situation at a time, by the way. Nobody's going to wave a magic wand and fix all of these things across the board. 
They're going to get fixed little by little. Somebody's going to hear this and go, you know what? We do need to fix that. And great. That's one other place that got it right. But you know, every time one person gets it right, another 10 jump into the UX hiring fray and they get it wrong, especially these new companies that decide they need UX people. And then they hire somebody who doesn't know any, anything about UX or they task someone who doesn't know anything about UX to try to make this thing work and try to put it together. That doesn't work either, which leads me to the next point. Managers. Oh my goodness. Companies are are starting UX departments, starting UX operations, and they'll hire everybody but a UX veteran to run it. This is one of the consistent problems that happens in the world of UX, that when you look at other disciplines, other professions, you don't see it. When somebody starts a QA department, they hire somebody who has a history with, with quality assurance. When they start a, a department of product managers or project managers, I should say, they bring along, they look for people with PMP certifications and people who have degrees. They don't hire somebody that knows something about project management to run their project management group. But for some reason, when it comes to UX, People are hiring art directors, creative directors, marketing specialists, people who have backgrounds in in advertising and things like that, but know nothing when it comes to UX. And you know what these people all lack? The ability to properly judge UX talent, let alone understand how in the world a UX department should be structured or should operate. So you have people, as we often say, decorating your company with people in these positions, but when it comes to doing actual UX work, that company's not gonna get it. I know companies, they've got departments with 30, 40, and 50 UX people deep, and nobody knows anything about UX. <laughs> it's, it's, it's absolutely absurd. It's absurd, and if anybody thinks otherwise, they're just not facing the reality of the situation. This is happening so much. And a lot of these people don't want to hire anybody who's really skilled in UX because then that would mean that the team would have to be held accountable to actual UX standards. Oh, God forbid, we don't want that. So that's why I used to always wonder why people who would be in UX for a long period of time ended up consulting. And it's because after a while, the way that the UX world was expanding and the more the corporate organizations were getting involved in UX, they weren't interested in doing UX right. So as a result, the people who really know what UX is get discounted. Pretty pretty sad stuff. There are UX thought leaders who really don't know anything about UX. I see people all over the place, Medium, Reddit, everywhere, who are claiming to be UX thought leaders they claim to be mentors, even ADP list. I'm not a fan of ADP list. You know why? Because it is a dysfunctional, <laughs> it's a dysfunctional model. You have mentors and people are flocking to become mentors, including people who just graduated from a boot camp or people who just read a few articles. They know nothing. The mere as soon as you get all of these weak links, if I could use a chain as a metaphor. It can break. All it needs to be subjected to some kind of pressure. That chain is going to snap because you've got unqualified people who are holding positions that they shouldn't even remotely come close to, which means that the program, the way the program is structured, 
they're not really vetting these people out to make sure that they should be in any of these positions. So don't go to ADP list looking for mentors. Don't do it. It's, it's, it's not worth it. I know somebody had a great idea. Just like the boot camps were a great idea, but it wasn't done right. It wasn't, it wasn't managed correctly. So as a veteran in this discipline, thumbs down because too many people are going to get hurt. And, and now and when you get exposed to bad information, you know how much work it takes to get that bad information out of you. And, and you know how long it's going to take to find it all. So it can be jettisoned, if you will. Why be exposed to it in the first place is my challenge. So there are thought leaders everywhere. There are people, next time you see somebody claiming that they're trying to tell you, one example is an article I saw last week where somebody was trying to tell you the difference between a UX designer and a product designer. But if you go and look at the person's profile on LinkedIn, they've never done UX a day in their life. Matter of fact, that person, if I remember correctly, had never done product design a day in their life either. So what do they know? And, and the article had over a thousand likes, most of which by people who also don't have any experience or they have what I call baby bird syndrome where they will take in anything and they're not applying any critical thinking to anything that they hear. These things are all dangerous and it just contributes to the cycle of dysfunction. UX resources, websites, social media, YouTube videos, flawed mentorship programs, as I mentioned, none of these things work. You know why? They all contain, as we wrap up for today, flawed touch points. They all contain things that are not, I can't partake of them because I recognize the inaccuracy. If I recognize the inaccuracy, I recognize that somebody else shouldn't be partaking of it. And then I spend time trying to help people overcome these things because they're actually setting you back. They're actually hurting you. They're, and then remember, we're all part of a whole and so for everybody that's partaking of something inaccurate, something that's not trustworthy, it's all, all of these touch points, when somebody experiences them, it all contributes to this cycle of dysfunction that we're operating in. Are you with me today? Are, are you interested in turning the tables? Then we've got to embrace a cycle of excellence and do the right thing today because we're doing a number on ourselves and we're costing ourselves dearly. And as soon as leadership sees that a UX group, team, or individual is not bringing value, they can start pulling the plug. And some companies already have started pulling the plug on UX operations because it's not everything that folks said that it was. When in truth, they haven't really been exposed to UX, what real UX is. They're exposed to the figment of somebody's imagination of what UX is. And when that happens, it has no value. Folks, we will continue and we'll wrap up this topic next week. But until then, this is your host of the World of UX signing off, Darren Hood. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.